Audacious Compassion, Episode 19, Bobblehead of Starbuck. Toothpaste, lemonade, polka dots and stripes, you're a dark night, and I'm the day, we're a wreck and that's alright. Hello. And welcome to Audacious Compassion, a podcast where we explore how to find compassion in the most difficult places in daily life. I'm Gregory Avery Weir. And I'm Melissa Avery Weir. And today we'll be talking about showing compassion when a tragedy happens to someone you don't know very well. And this is sort of an Uh, apropos topic for current events right now. Yeah, we got this uh, topic a few weeks ago, but since then there was a shooting at a high school in Florida um, that killed 17 students. Yeah, and that's... These things are weird, right? Because not only do school shootings happen every day, but people die en masse every day. Yeah, I mean... Like, there's fighting going on, there's disasters, and some of them we seem to care about and some we don't. Right, and I I think when Parkland happened... We were sitting at, on average, one mass shooting at a school per week so I far this year. I think school shooting. School shooting. Per week. Um, in 2018. So there had already been six. Five or yeah. six. And this is the one that made national news. Which yeah, more yeah, people died. Quite possibly. But I don't know what that threshold is. Right. And and like you said, like for one thing, it's a particularly American mm-hmm. news headline, right? Like, we are not hearing about clubbings in greece i don't know right, right. Like, yeah i don't, we don't yeah we don't we're, um, we don't have a good view into stuff that's happening kind of domestically other places we hear about right. wars right sort of yeah so yeah there are people dying in significant groups mm-hmm. all the time no one's talking about puerto rico right now right, right. like um and that's still an american-centric thing and there's also kind of that steady trickle of systemic death that happens like with car accidents mm-hmm. right like the way that we run our cars and our roads kills a whole lot of people right but we don't regard it as a tragedy in the same way that we do yeah a group of young people all dying at once mm-hmm. to violence that was unanticipated is a dramatic thing right but i don't know that's there's a lot of dramatic death happening yeah and it's dramatic to the people whose lives are touched, regardless of whether it makes the news, right? Yeah. Um, car, just, even a car accident is like if you know someone who dies at a car accident. Yeah. And I have. Uh, it's immensely impactful. <laughs> it's weird. It's just weird what feels close to you and what doesn't. Right. Um, it's very easy to think of things as removed until there's some level of sufficiently impactful. Mm-hmm. But that's that's uh. That's pretty heavy stuff. I'm sure we'll be discussing more heavy stuff over the course of the episode. But yes. But uh, other than current events, how are you doing? All right. Uh, keeping extraordinarily busy. Yeah. We have a video game coming out uh, on February 28th. So that's just three days after this episode should mm-hmm. be out. And due to some 
decisions that I think will be revised in future games. We've ended up in a bit of a crunch of like mm-hmm. adding some good enhancements and stuff towards the end, but it means that we're very busy. But in more more relevant news, I have a friend whose cat died recently. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it was it was both sudden and not. She noticed that her cat had lost weight, took it to the doctor. Turns out it was cancer, and then literally within three days, the cat died. Um, mm. which... So that's enough time that it's not a shock, but not enough time to prepare for right. a family member dying. Exactly. Um, and I think she's had these cats for several years, possibly a decade. And so we, we communicate primarily in a text form. And I often don't know what to say. Like, I don't know. So the the cultural ritual, right, is to say my condolences or I'm sorry for your loss. And in many, I I have some critiques on the use of I'm sorry, right? Right. Um, Like, what are you apologizing for? Right. Why are you using the same word to talk about wrongs that you did and also just bad things that happen? Bad things that happen. And it doesn't. It's rote. It doesn't feel like there's feeling there anymore yeah. because it's a thing if you the say. Thing, yeah. If it's the thing that everyone says, then what does it mean? Right. And so I found myself kind of trying to trying to vary my responses, which, again, is also a weirdly non-emotional thing to do. Yeah. I, I, I do that a decent amount. Like, find myself clinically examining how I'm yep. communicating so that it effectively communicates how I feel. Right. But that doesn't feel authentic, even though it's a deliberate act of authenticity. Uh. Exactly. So I, I kind of settled on something I, I say to people when they are having a hard time is it's really shitty that that's hap- that this is happening to you right now. Yeah. Like, it is incredibly unfortunate. I'm hearing you, right? Like, just kind of reiterating that I'm listening. That um, sounds really rough. It sounds really rough, right? Tell you're hurting, yeah. Uh, but there's only so many of those that are in my deck of cards, too, right? So over the yeah. course of several days of grief, um, or several days of stress at job, or whatever, whatever the thing is, um, it's kind of hard to to have those discussions and still sound uh, like I'm not just sort of spitting back yeah. rope things even when you have genuine feelings right right like i want to help i want to listen so that's strange and kind of uh difficult but how are you doing well uh you mentioned that upcoming game release (laughs) and that's hitting me too we're doing pretty well this time like if we released right now yep it would be okay right um we just got a few things we want to get done right and even if we didn't release these new things at all i think it would still be okay yeah but it is reminding me of like our past work on past releases and how we've done (laughs) better or worse and like um and i mean this is this feels so minor like our game you know our product release our pr campaign seem minor in comparison to family members dying or or lots of people dying which it is but yeah but it is still our creation and we still are in very in the trenches with it at the moment yeah and it's i so we i'm trying to think ossuary which was our last kind of big traditional release Mm -hmm. we emailed a frighteningly small number of people yeah we find contacting people very difficult this time we did much much better and we still could probably make do a lot better yeah but like there's that this happens to a lot of people both independent video game developers and like creative people and even like i don't know restaurateurs and Mm -hmm. there is all sorts of people who 
have this thing that is incredibly personal that they're trying to share with people mm-hmm. and somehow have it be sustainable and, and support them. Right. And it doesn't. Yep. Like, most of them don't work. Right. Most of them don't succeed. The vast majority. Even those who Financial kind of... Succeed. Yeah, yeah, sure. They might succeed at creating a good work, but mm-hmm. there's that, that balance of like, are you going to be able to make a next work? And did anyone see it? Right. Or did enough people see it? Mm-hmm. Or did as many people see it as you think could benefit from it? Yeah. Um, and so I'm sort of processing both mourning the past status of past things that opportunities that were lost Mm -hmm. and also like kind of stealing myself it could happen again yeah yeah i mean this might not succeed right like we might get a few hundred sales right and that would be really sad that would be incredibly sad yeah sometimes i think about like what ossuary would look like if we had done more of what we've done for, let's say, Exploit Zero Day or Majesty of Colors. We'd done that kind of effort for Ossuary. Yeah, like... But Ossuary's a weird game. It has flaws, right? Like Sure, but on the other hand, like, Undertale came out about halfway between now and when we released Ossuary, and it was also a weird game yeah. with, like... I mean, I'm, it is much bigger. It is much more elaborate yes. than Ossuary, but still, like, that game did is really is regarded as part of the canon right now yep and one could envision a world in which we were at least half as big as that <laughs> right and the difference might just be like who heard about it yeah and did could we have tweaked this thing and this other thing right to make it a little more accessible yeah and it's very hard not to obsess about it right? yeah like that's done right and we've, I mean, we've already done our rounds of, oh, what can we change to do better? Mm-hmm. And we did those things and they helped, like making yeah. a demo for the game helped, right. et cetera. And presumably we've got a round or two of that upcoming after the release of Majesty. Probably. Where... We can't make a demo of Majesty if it's too tiny. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's thinking about this weird solidarity that we have with all the people in the world who've tried and not accomplish what they wanted to yeah is weird Mm -hmm. we think about the successes far more than we think about the things that don't succeed yeah so we got a prompt from a listener that is tying somewhat into this this theme of anonymous tragedy a listener writes how do i express compassion with someone i know but not that well who's going through something rough the instigating situation is the husband of one of my co-workers passed away, and some of my other co-workers seem to be at a loss as to what to do, how much to say, what to say, etc. If you don't know someone very closely, but you do like and care about them, how do you help them? This is tough. I will confess the first thing I thought of was a time in which I, for an extended period of weeks, couldn't think of something to say, so I kind of just made a mournful face in that person's presence for a while. Yeah. Because I just was, like, completely tongue-tied over. Which probably didn't help. Almost assuredly right? not. Like, they people, were probably sad already. They were sad already. They, they didn't need, like, right. someone they, to help them be sad. And they, <laughs> they might have interpreted it as pity, which was certainly not my intent, uh, except it might have been what it was. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I don't I even mean, know what I was feeling at the time, like, other than pity, awkward. Like, pity is recognizing that someone is feeling bad 
right? right? Like that's that is what pathos is. Yeah, feeling sorry for them for yes, feeling bad. Yeah, or sure. Something. Yeah. But there's a different question between someone you know real well and kind of know their reactions and mm-hmm. are part of their daily life, and someone who you know you see around. Right. There's there's this thing I I actually participated in a in a interpersonal snack exchange question that Uh-oh. was related to this, which is <laughs> uh, the question was something like someone had lost their child and oh. and the question was what do I like do I ask them how they're doing mm-hmm. or or their child was sick or something how do I ask them how their child's doing and my response was ask them if they're okay if you care about them ask them if they're okay right or if you don't care just let them be like. One of the things about when I've been having a hard time or been going through a tragedy, it can be nice sometimes if I'm in a certain mood to be around people who aren't close to it. Yeah. To be like, hey, this isn't the whole world. Like, right. I'm not, like, an enormous part of my life might be changing or lost or mm-hmm. awful, but there is stuff out there and I don't have to think about it all the time. Right. If the answer, especially sometimes when the answer to how are you doing is ambiguous or fine enough, like... Yeah, I woke up today. Right, like, the, the world is still turning, Yeah, right? sometimes that's all you get. And that sounds extra depressing when you say it. Right. And so that, like, makes the situation even more weird. But on the other hand, like, getting out of bed in an awful time is a victory. Right? Yes, like, but I'm, I'm the, saying the, the communication of that. Like yes. when someone says, how are you doing? And you're like, I got out of bed today. They're going to be like, whoa. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and that, like. Or congrats. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, one of the things that I often think about with like, when you're asking someone about themselves, mm-hmm. do you actually care? Right. Do you want to know how they're doing? Right. Or do you just want to be there for them? If all you want to do is support them, like get them a cup of coffee or right. like help them organize their papers attend a meeting on their behalf and yeah. then give them notes or something i don't know yeah i don't know that it works very well to like be on tiptoes around someone um there are times and maybe this is a matter of uh i don't know temper or me not feeling social at times but sometimes i would like people to not hassle me <laughs> So if I'm sitting in a meeting with a team yeah. and I know that there's something I'm supposed to deliver or that I that my input might be valuable, there are days when I don't mind if someone looks at my face and says, hmm, maybe we'll reconvene on this later. Or we'll you think about it and we'll get your feedback later, right? Like yeah. the a relief of pressure. Not that that's technically tiptoes or eggshells, right? But Yeah. That can be valuable. Giving them some be- space. It can be hard to read that sort of thing, though. Especially, so if someone's going through strong emotion, right? Their baseline emotion is going to be just awful. Right. You're, they're going to be feeling sad all the time. Right. And so it's pretty easy to tell between content and wanting to be alone and content and wanting to socialize. It's much harder to be, like, really sad. Yes. But wanting help or and really sad but not wanting help. Like, yes. there's... That's that true. there's a smaller percentage deviation from that emotional uh, expression. Right. Trying to interpret people's facial expressions without asking is uh, asking for trouble. Especially when you don't know them very well. Especially when you don't know them very well. So what do you what do you do? There's there's like the standard rote stuff like signing the card. Right. Or 
let me know if you need anything. Which, Which... <laughs> especially, again, if you don't know them very well, they're not going to ask, like, right. unless they need something from your position. Yes. Then no. Right. You might get the occasional surprise where someone does say, oh, wait, sure. I need a like, ride. You to... just happen to <laughs> live in the right place or have the right connections. Right. Perhaps before answering this completely, another aspect of this is... So they say, how much to say, what to say, like, what are they, you know, they're, they care about the person and you like them, uh, what do you do to help them? Some of that stems, I don't know about this particular person, mm-hmm. but in general, some of the times this stems from a desire to feel as though you have done something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to help them or do you want to feel good about how you have treated them? Right. I mean, I'm not sure that's entirely separable. Right. And I'm not sure it's entirely wrong, like a bad thing. Yeah, it's perfectly either. fine to want to feel as if you've helped someone. Sure. Just as long as you're choosing your actions based on helping them and not on your feelings. Well, as long as you choose your actions based on their needs. Yes, or how they want to be helped. <laughs> right. So, that, I don't know, that's just a t- that's just a weird thing where you can get a lot of people wringing their hands saying, I wish there was something I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a colleague who's child went missing from school recently and the whole office was worried nobody could do anything and we're all texting this poor guy going did you you find your kid was he kidnapped because it it was distinctly possible well odds are low but also distinctly possible and Um, you always fear the worst and you always fear the worst but there was nothing we could do other than clear the plate for him at work right yeah um anything else was almost gossipy meddling like yeah. he's a grown ass adult. He's gonna he's gonna find his kid. <laughs> and probably knows probably has enough people that he can ask. Right. So there's that kind of this thing that becomes an imposition because you want to perform care. Right. Instead of seeing what the person needs. So since I've muddied the waters with that, yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the actual <laughs> I mean so one thing is that will not help in all situations is think and be like even though I don't know this person, is there some connection that I have with them? Yes. Like, did you have a potluck party at work and they were like, I really liked your buffalo chicken dip. <laughs> cool. Make them your buffalo chicken dip. Maybe ask if they want it first. <laughs> I mean, buffalo chicken dip is a sometimes food. Well, I mean, you could present them to it in a way that's like, that's like, I brought this in. If you want to share it with the office, you can. And that way they've got an out for like, I don't want to eat that right now. Right? Right. Um, or, you know, you if you both like... Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Give him a gift or a little bobblehead of Starbuck or something, right? Like yes. like a small gift, something that isn't necessarily intrusive. Mhm. Can be a good way to show that, you know, we care, we're not going to be invasive, like we care about you as a person because here's this thing we have in common. Yeah. You can kind of treat them as a skittish animal almost. Oh, God. Like... <laughs> Where are we going with this? No, but like... <laughs> they might be feeling overwhelmed by this social pressure. And so when you drop off the bobblehead of Starbuck... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you can be like, hey, I got you something, and then leave. Chances are if they would want to respond they know where to find you right and if they don't know where to find you they probably don't care right so don't don't like hover around yes give give them their space let them be the one to come to you if they want something more right i think that's fair i I, okay so 
I would say that's a good solution if a person is keeping their composure a lot of the time, right? Mm. If you have someone that's like breaking down in the office in a way that you notice, mm-hmm. then that's when I think it makes more sense to go up to the person and say, hey, can I cover a class for you? Or yeah. can I, like I said, attend this meeting for you or whatever right. the thing is. That, that seems like a place for more direct intervention because they might yeah. not be keeping it together enough to even think that they can even get help, right? Like that right. panic mode of I'm drowning in grief. And you can read the environment mm-hmm. to see, like, are they getting that help? And you might know someone who knows them better. Yep. Where you can be like, hey, this person, is there anything I can do for this person? Do you know if there's an area in which they need help? Or, mm-hmm. you know, like, have their has their close friend circle been, like, taking on too much? Can I take on one of those things? Can I do something for their friend so that their friend is open <laughs> to be able to help them more yep. closely? Like, you know, maybe... Maybe this person is in human resources and you're a programmer, mm-hmm. right? You can't be like, I'll go to this human resources meeting. <laughs> right. But it might be that your manager knows them better and your manager does go to human resources mm-hmm. meetings. And so you can take over some work from the manager so that exactly. they can help out the, yep. the person who's grieving. Yep. And I was just thinking, if you, have a, if you have a mutual manager who is hopefully helping manage the situation, if you have a coworker in this kind of trouble, then yeah, go to your boss and say, hey... I know you're, you're taking on things for this person. Mm-hmm. Do you want to delegate any of that to me? The thing that's tricky about the delegation from like a an inner feeling standpoint is that if you are delegating and not directly interacting with this person, you won't get the sort of good fuzzy feelings mm-hmm. of seeing them appreciate it. Right. Yep. And that's one of those areas where it's like, do you want to help them or do you want to feel <laughs> good about helping them? Right. Yes. That is very true. And that helping out indirectly mm-hmm. sort of extends to these broader tragedies that that are that are going on. Like, yeah. So there, some things arise out of these famous one and the the more publicized yeah. events. Like, there's a march in March pertaining to perhaps gun violence, perhaps high school shootings in particular uh march for our lives or something right anyway that's a thing that you can do and donate to and protest i'm pretty sure it's gun control because probably it's a protest so there's that kind of thing that arises which is still kind of a performance right like right and i mean it might be an appreciated performance yes it might be like especially if victims of a situation are asking you to be in solidarity with them that's Mm -hmm. cool yep but there's this thing that happens around tragedies where people feel really bad about this one thing and saturate it yes it doesn't always happen like puerto rico did not get enough help right um and in part because a lot of their help was immensely complicated logistically Mm -hmm. but uh especially blood donation to be fair made out to be complicated yes. logistics. was complicated we are the you, people <laughs> acted as if it was more complicated than it was we're the united states of america right it was not logistically complicated but you and i yes. there's little that you or you or i could do to to directly help yes but like w- whenever a disaster happens blood donations spike which yeah. is fully expected mm-hmm. but there are things about blood that most people either don't know or don't think about it's like, perishable? Yeah, it doesn't keep very long. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to transport because it's liquid. And it's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So 
if there is a disaster, if we live in Charlotte, North Carolina, on the east coast of the U.S., th- at this address, no, okay. <laughs> if there is if there is a disaster in California, which is on the other side of the continent, mm-hmm. us giving blood isn't going to do any good. Right. We're going to reduce the operating costs of the Red Cross a bit right. because they don't have to spend as much. Yep. And so there's there's this weird thing about when a tragedy strikes sometimes you shouldn't help that area if you want to have the most impact. Yeah. Because for once, there are going to be enough blood donations in Charlotte. Yep. Like, for this week, everyone's going to have enough blood, which means that you can do something else. Yep. And the number of things that are swimming around your head as things you're not helping with have Mm -hmm. reduced. Right. You don't need to worry about these things. You can help in another area. Exactly. Donating and, to something more local to the event, or depending on what it is, things that yeah. that ship better. Um, Help prevent a similar thing from happening in your local community, right? Rather than focusing on a real big picture, right? And that's weird, right? Because it's it is that making yourself feel better rather than actually helping the victims. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, like if you can't actually help the victims, right. then help someone. Help anybody, right? <laughs> rather than just feeling good about not helping anybody. Right. Yep. So, ah, boy, there are th- things you can do, like help shore up, in general, your organization, your communities, your city's ability to support people who mm-hmm. are going through problems. Right. The Whatever your local services are that are good for that, helping push for local laws or ordinances or whatever mm-hmm. terminology for things that will help with anything from weapons management to mental health to yeah. whatever, whatever, right? It's a comp- all of these are complex issues probably. And then, okay, so here's a, here's a third aspect of this. Okay. Dealing, working with people who are connected to those tragedies. So like, I've worked with people who were impacted by 9-11 yeah. very directly. I was not. I have surprisingly few feelings about 9-11, in part because it was, from my perspective, a very politicized event. Mm-hmm. At Given my age at the time, the yeah. politics around it. We were young, some people died, and then oh, the I... things that impacted us directly i wouldn't say some people died right like i have a little more feeling right sure yes but as much feeling is again as this is true someone out there something happened to someone out there and we care Mm -hmm. but in a very detached way right Um, whereas like the way that it changed air travel impacted us very directly right and to work with colleagues who might have been living a mere block or so Mm -hmm. And I'm often like one of the youngest people wherever I have worked in my career. So that has been a particular interesting thing of people like, yeah, I work in finance and I was there, right? Yeah. And I don't, it's a, it's a similar thing. I don't know what to say, right? Mm-hmm. They don't They don't need help. Especially this far after it. Like they've okay, still got. Okay, let's say 10 years ago, right? Like Sure, but like, like they might still have raw feelings. Right. But that's all. But that's all. Like there might be some economic impact still. They're like. Right. But and, really... And then we're kind of back to me and the cat friend of, like, I'm sorry that that happened to you. Yeah. Yeah, like, I hear you. I don't know. It's That's uh, another kind of awkward... But yeah, I mean, paying attention to where you can help. Mm-hmm. Paying attention to what the person actually wants. Yes. Especially if the person's like, I just need to not think about it. That's your answer. Yes. 
or you know, let's go to the bar. Yeah, like well, screw it, uh, or well, you know, yeah. yeah, whatever, whatever feels most appropriate. But <laughs> if the person turns you down, respect that. Right. That's a that's a boundary being set. That's consent being withdrawn. Yeah. Yeah. Especially remember that they're going through some stuff. Right. So if that's not a rejection. Right. That's just I'm good, yeah. like, or I'm bad. Right. But I don't need anything from you right now. Exactly. And. The fact that you offered, even if they turn you down, means that they know that if they do end up needing something, they can Mm -hmm. go to you. Yep. So, what have you been inspired by lately? So, I have been listening to an album over and over again. I think of myself as a person that doesn't know much about music. Um, Although I think that... And yet, I think I go to you frequently when I'm like... What do you call this weird rhythm thing happening in well, this song? Well, yeah, I, I think I know about, like, musical performance and how to read music. Like, I was in band in high school. But, and jazz band. Like, I was, I was a nerd. No, I wasn't ever all that good, but I knew the basics. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, in terms of, like, albums and bands um, you listen to. Yeah. At this point, I probably know a decent amount. Yeah, but I've always I've got this image of myself as a person that doesn't. Um, but periodically, I get in a mood where I'm like, I'm gonna find this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. What I've found is this band called The Warriors. Their their lead singer is Lauren Denizio, I think is how it's pronounced. It's a good name. Yeah, I kind of like punk. Mm. Sort of. Mm. Um, so I really like Bad Religion. I've liked a lot of punk, but there's also a lot of punk that I'm like, this is just noise. I can't really get into it. I don't know how to appreciate this. Mm-hmm. And so a few weeks ago, I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out what the deal is. Yeah. And so I look and I find out that the kind of punk I like is melodic punk, where, you know, punk is essentially a, it's a countercultural thing, right? It's, right? It is a, we're going to make music that we can make in our garage. Yeah. And, and so it sort of rejects a lot of the structure that a lot of music has. And so that's why you get that wall of noise that, mm-hmm. that punk gets, where it's like, mm. we're just playing, like, like, it is supposed to be the music that you don't need training to play. And so you play it, and it's lo-fi, and it's yeah. raw emotion. But I want it to be a mid-middle fi. Yeah. Like, I want, I want <laughs> to be able to sing along. I want to not just yell along. I want to, <laughs> to have a tune that I can hum. So I looked up melodic punk and I looked up queer melodic punk mm-hmm. um, because, because yay, queer enough. things. Yeah. Right. And so I came across this band and they're they're real cool. There is music to their music. Yeah. Um, but it's also, it's punk. Like it's got that weird thing that punk music tends to do where the singer's always like a quarter step flat. <laughs> um, there's still like that sort of very layered sound to the background like the guitar is just playing and the cart yeah. and the and the drums are playing um and sort of making this this almost environmental feel rather than like uh-huh. i'm playing this part and i'm playing this part yeah but it's also like got a tune yeah and has lyrics that i can understand that mm-hmm. are clever yeah and the the reason I, I think of this is that like this this album in particular that i've been listening to is called survival pop Hmm, and it's okay. about like a lot of the songs are about surviving toxic relationships, surviving a hostile society. Mm-hmm. And they're in this way that is in punk fashion, very angry, very bitter. Okay. But not really negative for like, all that. Like not hopeless. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not screw you. You're awful. 
you've ruined things. Yeah. It's, screw you, I don't need you, you let me down, I'm going to do my thing. Ah, okay. Um, there's this song that's, like, that's basic theme is, let history work it out. Mm-hmm. Like, society can figure out its stuff. We'll be over here. Come and get us when you've gotten there. Yeah. Like, the implication is that it's queer folk. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, we've, we can make, we can exist without you justifying our existence. And we know you're going to get there because we know we're right. Yeah. So. Right. At some point, you'll accept that. Yep. And we'll have been here the whole time. Right. And that, that sort of attitude of, of survival, not as I survived a thing, but mm-hmm. I continue to survive despite. Yes. And, and even in spite of yes. you, like, even like. I'm going to do extra good because of how you hurt me. Right. Just to prove that you couldn't ruin me. Yes. That's kind of inspirational. It is. It's powerful. Like often tragedy, we talk about grieving and mourning and making it through. Right. But there's also, there's an anger that comes with tragedy Mm -hmm. that is perfectly, I think, healthy and life affirming. Right. Like even if it's silly, even if you lost a family member to a hurricane. Mm Mm-hmm. It's silly to be angry at a hurricane. It'd be right. angry at a storm. There's no yep. there's no being there. I mean, even even if you believe in the divine, you're still not really angry like yeah. you can't really be angry at a god right. for a storm. Yes. But be angry. Like be angry and act like there is something to be angry at. And that can be a healthy feeling, a mm-hmm. healthy way to process that event. Right. And so it's it's really cool to have an example of music that I can sing loudly along to and listen over <laughs> and over to that's like, yeah, I'm going to have these strong emotions in a way that is like forward looking. Right. You're not and, just checking the box of I have grieved and now the grief is over. Yeah. You're like, this is a transformative experience and this is how I am transformed. Yeah. And this is fuel now. Yeah. Like this awful and like it's not that this happened for a reason Mm -hmm. but now that this has happened right i'm gonna make sure it's for a reason yep and that's that's a cool cool perspective yeah and it's 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 helped with stress lately um so what have you been inspired by lately oh this is i've been thinking about how to talk about this in a way that is critical but not negative um Mm. we have been playing a game called dying light yeah. Which I'm not sure we've mentioned yet. It's, we've been playing it for a couple months now, a couple of hours at a time. And I'll describe it perhaps in more detail than we would otherwise, because it's crucial to the, the, the point. It's a game. It's a zombie game. You are mm-hmm. in a ruined city. Uh, vaguely Middle Eastern. Vaguely Middle Eastern, which I appreciate. Co- very cosmopolitan. There are people from all over in it. Yes. It's not just like brown people who are stereotyped right and you are um the it's a first person perspective and you are often attacking zombies with melee weapons like boards with with nails in them or like and pipes and and sometimes um, you like put stuff on them to make them a little more effective but they're still like found objects yeah and you move through the world in a very parkour manner. So there are times, it, it is advantageous to stay up high off the ground. There are times where you can like pause and look around and you see this massive city 
think i don't know gta right like yeah grand theft auto right you've got kind of this open world feel um and you're kind of looking upon the city and then it's scramble 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 get yeah, to your jumping next location from rooftop, rooftop car right. to car climbing fences running along and the focus pipes. is often like getting to a particular place you're not just wandering the world yeah you're you might stop and look around and they're like okay my head's back down and i'm gunning for this this location and you've got um, safe spots you're kind of going from safe spot to safe spot and then going out to a place to do something right. and then coming back to a safe spot yeah so there there are two things that are striking about this game to me one is the combat which i find immensely stressful because it's very up close unless you happen to have constructed throwing stars or something but it's a game that does a very good job at making it feel like you're hitting a body the I yeah. I won't describe in detail, but like just it it its use of bass, its use of other audio cues. There's gore, visual there's gore, incredible amounts of gore, and I still am not completely desensitized to it, even though we've probably put fifteen or more yeah. hours into it. It's one of those um, things where it's like they sure succeeded at what they were trying to do, right? So I think that's really gross. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I don't care for it. And then there's the fact that that. You know, you're moving through this city in a way that that there's a big advantage to knowing the city. And I'm not good at this in games. I'm very bad at yeah. knowing environments because I keep my head down and I'm like focused on getting to the next point so that a zombie doesn't eat me. And when we play together, I'm often the navigator. Right. And yeah. you're sometimes like the one that's providing support to me like, no, there's this thing going on. We can't go yet. Right. Um, and so this, despite the fact that you're moving through the city this way, though, this game is taking place with a backdrop of a tragedy. This zombie apocalypse is occurring and you're in this quarantined city or country or something. Yeah, the rest of this world appears to be fine. Right. And you're moving through this space in a way that is treating it like, I don't know, a jungle gym. Instead yeah. of a place where hundreds and thousands of people are turned into creatures that are not considered human anymore. Yeah. And so it just feels like like this mismatch. It's not in video games, right? Like we expect yeah, this, this in this video games. Yeah, this is a thing in video games right. where it's like a th you're, you are turning something awful into something fun often. Right. And, I mean, some could argue, I think, well enough that, like, that's a problem. Right. But and, it's not unusual. But it's not unusual. And I, the fact that I'm even shocked by it or that it bothers me still is, I don't know good for me i guess yeah i mean can... we've, we've certainly played games that were gory and violent and so on and did, yeah. weren't weren't didn't bother us in that way right and so I don't, I don't know this is inspiring me to one i'm kind of imagining what this game would look like if the state of the city mattered more instead of it just being a backdrop for you to look heroic in. yeah if it actually focused on the impact right. of the stuff that was happening to other people. Right. And that's made worse by the cliched, like, I'm working for a bad organization and maybe eventually I'll realize they're bad and stop working for them. Mm -hmm. Like this faux bad moral thing on top of that. So in addition to a wanting to imagine what this game would look like if it were different, it also makes me think about our games and mm -hmm. other more indie games that are kind of within my grasp of yeah. like... And that, not just treating certain things as backdrops. And that have the scope such that they can afford to get into details like exactly. that. Exactly. Where it doesn't cost a million dollars to make a city block. Right. 
you can actually change things and and add detail in a way that a game like that the details a game like that kind of has to add to be at its place in the market is like we're gonna make the chain link fence look right yeah we're gonna yep make it so that this water pipe has proper surface texture right so again i mean it's an i think it's a very well made game for certain values of well made right like that critique is a big one but it's it's a beautiful game. I just find it incredibly stressful, and I think that's a major flaw in it. So it's yeah. it's when I when I look at our backlog, especially since we are finishing a game, mm-hmm. and we are finishing a game that does involve moral choices, mm-hmm. simplistic though they are, it's sort of tickling the back of my brain of like, how do we not do that? Yeah. So, yeah. so why are you still playing it? Uh, I don't want to. <laughs> uh, I feel some pressure to do so because it's a co-op game and we mm-hmm. are playing it together. I, I, we, we did set a boundary so that it is not the first game we play on a Saturday morning because I'm t- not awake enough to deal with that much stress. I would say if, if I had known that this was the setup of the game before I had dropped multiple tens of dollars on it, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have bought it. Yeah. This, this, this feels ethically icky. Yeah. Um, it's contributing to a kind of game that I don't want to exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm only playing until you get tired of it, I think. <laughs> it sounds like maybe we'll end up moving on before that point. Quite possibly. So yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. So we've chatted about these this this weirdness of like bad things happening to people that aren't close to you. Yeah. And that very real tragedy and bad feelings that these people are having that are still kind of removed and don't really matter in your day-to-day other than how you kind of sympathize with them right or the environment that you're in yeah your ability to affect them is just so small right yeah and it's at best it is on you to potentially offer and to make yourself available if you want to um, it is not on you to push into someone else's life to say, I can help you with this. Yeah. Let the let the person who's dealing most directly with the problem mm-hmm. guide that process. And for the love of all that is holy, do not just make a sad face every time you yeah. see the person. Yeah, that's not accomplishing. <laughs> that, that's, that's just like, I mean, that is saying, I understand, like, that, that's a gesture of solidarity it is which is better than you know walking around in clown shoes um (laughs) but like yeah make sure that what you do actually helps right or at least they think it will help or at least doesn't harm or at least doesn't harm yes so yeah whether it's a single person or a huge tragedy yeah it sounds weird and cold and mercenary but also maintains perspective yeah this sort of stuff happens. Yeah. Every day. Yep. All over the And that's really sad. But if it if you're sadder now than you were ten minutes ago, it's just because you weren't thinking about it. Right. Like there's there's room for tragedy and happiness to exist at the same moment in the same person. Thank goodness. And it's hard. Yep. But we can do it. Anyone can do it. With the aid of some bobbleheads. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So thanks for talking to me today. And thank you for talking to me. And thank you all for listening. This has been Audacious Compassion. 
If you have a question or a prompt for discussion, please submit it to us at averyweir.net. That's A-V-E-R-Y-W-E-I-R.net. You can find the show on Twitter and Facebook at AudaciousCast, and we greatly appreciate likes and follows. Uh, take a moment to rate us on iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere that you get podcasts, wherever you're listening to this, rate it. <laughs> we'd, we'd appreciate it. Um, that's how we get an audience. That's how we get more people. That helps um, tell friends about it. Yep. If you have someone that you think this would help, please, we want to we want to enrich people's lives. Yeah. So pass it on. I'm Gregory Avery Weir, and you can find me on Twitter at Gregory Weir. I'm Melissa Avery Weir, and I can be found on Mastodon at Melissa Avery Weir at Mastodon.social. And together we run Futureproof Games, uh, which you can visit at futureproofgames.com. And at the end of February, the Majesty of Colors will come out. More specifically, I fell in love with the Majesty of Colors. So if you've got a phone or a computer, please buy it. Steam, Itch.io, App Store, Google Play, wherever. Our theme music is Invisible Light by Josh Woodward, available under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. Talk to you later. Thank you.